Good afternoon. Good evening. I'm Dove Tuzman. You're on Equal Footing. And tonight we're going to be doing a special holiday, whether you're celebrating Passover, Easter, show on Fix Me Culture. Kind of from plastic surgery to Instagram filters, our obsession in a world of Zoom with how we look. I mean, I think we've been obsessed for tens of thousands of years around how we look, but certainly there are many other options to modify it now. We have two great guests on tonight. I'll start by introdu- introducing uh, Dr. Snehal Amin. Dr. Amin is a practicing dermatologist and renowned cosmetic surgeon based in New York City. He graduated from Harvard and is currently an assistant professor of dermatology at Cornell's New York Presbyterian Hospital. Dr. Amin's main work is focused on skin cancers of the face which presents a fascinating intersection of medical and cosmetic issues. He's also broadly experienced in cosmetic surgery and uh, various forms of, uh, of uh, skin care. Dr. Amin is the founder of MDCS Derm. They have seven offices in Long Island and New York City. They also offer virtual office visits in which people can visit the doctors from their own home, so they're familiar with the Zoom world we're living in. Dr. Amin has been consistently voted as one of New York Magazine's top doctors for the last 10 years, in fact, and has lectured nationally on topics of skin cancer and cosmetic facial reconstruction. Dr. Amin and his wife, Dr. Pari Amin, have two amazingly intelligent teenager, teenage sons who are both studying at Harvard, so he's also a proud dad. Dr. Amin, welcome to Equal Footing. Thank you very much for having me, Dove. I also want to introduce our extraordinary uh, third participant here in this discussion on plastic surgery, on Instagram filters, on uh, just generally how we want to fix our appearance for the world, Prerna Gupta. Prerna is a serial successful entrepreneur. She's launched mobile entertainment apps reaching over a billion people. She's currently founder and CEO of Hooked which is a mobile storytelling platform with over 100 million Gen Z viewers uh, worldwide. Perna has raised funding from top investors in Silicon Valley and Hollywood, including Ashton Kutcher, the Chernin Group, WME Endeavor, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Jamie Foxx, Founders Fund, and many others. Perna has been named one of the most influential women in technology, by Fast Company. Her writing has been featured in the New York Times, Vogue, and TechCrunch, and she and her husband uh, are uh, founders together in their in their business ventures, and Perna is also a singer and a writer. Perna, welcome to Equal Footing. Thanks, Dove. My pleasure to be here. Okay, guys, you guys come at this from different angles. I would also hazard to say you're both kind of, let's say, cultural anthropologists, avid, uh, you know, commenterists on the world we live in and the vectors in which you come at it from entrepreneurship and from a medical perspective. Dr. Amin, maybe you can uh, start us off by just explaining what exactly Let's start with cosmetic surgery, that end of the equation of kind of how you adjust your your appearance. Uh, what does that mean? Because you specialize also in medical reconstruction. What do you consider cosmetic or elective surgery? Does it include things like Botox and, and, and other more um, superficial procedures? 
Sure. Uh, I'd be... Uh, I'd be happy to comment on that. Um, cosmetic surgery is really a broad term, and it can include sort of the things that we think are traditionally cosmetic surgery, like tummy tucks and breast lifts, things like that. But where my work is involved, it's really about facial skin cancers. And even though we're taking care of a skin cancer on the face, we're actually repairing the face in a cosmetic way, so it really includes the same principles as cosmetic surgery. The other way to think about cosmetic procedures is uh, sort of non-invasive things like Botox and fillers. Those are very cosmetic procedures, but they're not very invasive like surgery. They don't involve cutting and stitching. And then finally, there's other cosmetic things that don't involve any uh, needles or anything like that, and so that involves lasers, for instance, and um, such as hair removal or getting rid of blood vessels on your face. And I'd like to even suggest that there's lots of cosmetic things that we do that are outside of the purview of doctors. For instance, um, putting braces on your kids' teeth when they're teenagers or even younger is a form of cosmetic manipulation uh, that we engage in. So I think if you look at the term very broadly, there's many, many things that we as humans engage in that could be termed cosmetic procedures. So, Prono, we then approach a thin line between something you're actually physically doing to your body and something you're doing that I guess would be more akin to makeup, that you're just presenting your body in a certain way or your face in a certain way. Talk to us about beyond the medical line where it bleeds into shape-shifting and filters and, the, you know, uh, reshaping images and how that's manifesting in the tech world now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I think um, this notion, I mean, as you mentioned, Dove, you know, we've been thinking about um, beauty and uh, obsessing over how we look for, uh, you know, thousands of years as humans. Um, but certainly technology has accelerated our ability to manipulate how we look. Um, makeup, of course, is the first line of attack, but now that we are living our, our lives um, almost entirely virtually, um, the, the more and more of us are starting to um, drastically alter how we look through um, filters. And, you know, this started with, uh, you know, several years ago, of course, with Photoshop, uh, you see this all the time when you take, you know, as whether you're an executive or a model, when you take a photograph, the, the original way that that photograph looks is very different from the post-processed version that ends up in magazines. Um, but today, uh, with the tools around AR that are available so widely now with TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat, that very powerful technology is being put into the hands of billions of people. And we see this with teenagers. It's it's um, dramatic the way that they are changing the way they look. Not just um, you know with plastic surgery. I guess the Kardashians maybe change the way they look every few months, but teenagers now can change the way they look every few seconds using these filters. So I don't mean to stylize too much, but Dr. Amin, and if you don't mind, maybe I'll call you Snay Hall on the on on the show. Sure, if you're okay with that. Uh, Sneha, what is, where do you draw the line when you're 
a practice as a practicing dermatologist and cosmetic surgeon. Again, I don't mean to stylize your point of view, but I think we would think of someone who's a practitioner in the field as being very permissive. You know, anybody who comes in and wants to do anything, you don't want you want to service them. You know, you want to make money, you want your practice to to, to thrive. Do you find yourself saying no? You don't need that, or um, you know, to, to Perna's point about it, you know, a teenager just in their appearance, uh, you know, if they're looking at a cosmetic or surgical or procedural angle, you know, saying, you know, I don't think that makes sense. Where, where do you draw the line? Yeah, I think every practitioner has a line that's in a different place. And for me personally, it really comes down to um, how much competency the patient has about the decision. And so an adult saying that they want their lips to be fuller, to me, is a perfectly fine thing to engage in and to help the patient have fuller lips. Um, a parent who says they want their child to have less of a you know, pointy nose, it gets into a gray area, in my opinion. And then there's patients who don't really see themselves as others see them, and there's a condition called body dysmorphia syndrome where um, basically when a patient looks in the mirror, they don't see what everyone else sees, and so they constantly want to add in more filler, more size, or more muscle, or less fat, or something. And so as doctors, we still have to understand that that patient has a not just a normal desire for change in their appearance, but has an illness, actually. And so drawing that line personally is sometimes difficult, but I find I do it every day, and it's, it's, it's easy for us as practitioners to do that. We've talked about body dysmorphia on the show before, and it's increasingly prevalent, especially amongst teenagers. Perna, maybe you could expand on, if, if to, to Snehal's point, uh, is there an unhealthy use? And again, you're, you're arguably as a tech entrepreneur in this, in this field, you want people to be doing, uh, using as many tools as possible, whether it's adjusting their, their appearance or the way that they're communicating, uh, and through social media, through, through apps. Do you, do you think it's too much? Should there be some sort of, um, some sort of rule setting or some sort of intervention in the case, uh, for example, of, of teenagers uh, using using filters and, and uh, reshaping of their uh, images of themselves? Well, yes and no. I think what there is absolutely too much of is social media. It, there's no question that teenagers' obsession with social media is has gone way too far. It's an unhealthy amount of usage. And um, I think in general, teenagers use their phones way too much. Um, we ran some quizzes on our platform recently just asking about, um, you know, just trying to understand teen mental health. And we saw that teenagers are really, really struggling with their mental health. Um, we asked them about sleep. Um, over 80% of the teens that we polled said they had they struggle with sleep. Um, 60% said it take, they take, takes them more than an hour or more to sleep, fall asleep every night. They all use their phones in bed, both at night and in the morning. And so absolutely, there we need to figure out as a society, there's a massive issue and we need to figure out how to address it. Um, filters, however, I personally think filters are a net positive. If you, if you assume that social media usage is going to continue the way it is, it creates um, a, a an insane amount of pressure on teenagers to look a certain way and they are comparing themselves against celebrities who have 
a lot of money to spend on expensive cosmetic surgery procedures to make them look uh, look um, a, a way that's really unattainable for, for most humans. And they're able to change that appearance regularly through cosmetic procedures. Most teenagers can't do that, of course, and I believe shouldn't be doing that at that point in their lives. But now, suddenly, they have technology that they can use, digital technology, to explore how they want to look and how to express themselves in a way that doesn't alter them them physically or doesn't damage them in any way. So I believe that these tools are actually quite empowering and are, uh, in my opinion, a better alternative to cosmetic surgery. That's an interesting perspective. Let me let me challenge you on that using a, as I was reaching for this show, uh, researching rather, I was listening to some interviews that uh, public figures have given on plastic surgery because, of course, there's uh, it's very prevalent in, in Hollywood. And uh, Kate, Kate Winslet was asked about whether she done plastic surgery and although she said plastic surgery and breast implants etc are fine for people who want it if it makes them feel better about who they are but actors especially when they uh, do plastic surgery become fantasy figures for a fantasy world and isn't there danger there I mean are, with the teenagers you're describing and I and I, under, I, I can appreciate where you're coming from Perna that you're, you're creating almost like a, a veil like a postmodern veil that allows people to be um, to some extent, uh, disguised, and I think appropriately so. We don't always have to show everything to everyone. But does it also create a pressure, as as Kate Winslet put it, to be kind of a, a fantasy figure for a fantasy world? Well, I just think it's it's our new reality. And, you know, we are increasingly living in a fantasy world, and the more virtual our reality gets, the more and more I think reality and fantasy will merge. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that that's happened. It's happened. It's happening. There's no going back. And what's, what's unhealthy and what's tragic is when the power to kind of, um, you know, feel like you can, you belong in that world or you can have respect in that world lies only in the hands of few. And Technology, I, I believe, in this world is a great um, force for democratization. It mm-hmm. gives, you know, the ability for everyone to be able to look beautiful or to look unique or to look, you know, um, it, uh, you know, whatever, fantastical, engaging, whatever it is. And I think in a lot of ways, it also helps, long term, it will help teenagers to find a unique identity one of the things uh, that you know, like, kind of disturbed like me and i'd love to exactly exactly what one's own unique avatar and i think i'd love to hear snail's perspective on this but you know with people like the kardashians you know they've created a certain look and it's exactly what kate winslet is talking about that has become so iconic that you know, you see all these women out there who are getting plastic surgery to look like the Kardashians. That, I feel, is disturbing. And I think that with AR filters, we can hopefully move beyond that, where, where teenagers that are growing up with these filters become so adept at using them that they start to craft a completely unique look that's their own. And I, I think that once we get there, it's actually not unhealthy, but it, it's it's a beautiful way for a person to become um, the best, you know, what they view as the best version of themselves. I appreciate that perspective. That's a progressive and unexpected perspective. To participate in our discussion... 
tonight on Fix Me Culture, from plastic surgery to Instagram filters. Here on Equal Footing, we're with guests Dr. Snehal Amin, who's a renowned cosmetic surgeon based out of New York, and serial entrepreneur Prerna Gupta, who's the CEO of Hooked and has been named recently one of the most influential women in technology. You can be a part of this discussion by calling in to 718-303-9090. We're live on the air. That's 718-303-9090. You can also text a question if you're shy about being on the air. Of course, if you call in, you don't have to say your real name, but you can text a question to 917-428-4062. That's 917 917- Four two eight four zero six two. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to you, Doctor Amin, to give your view on that last point. But I can't resist to share the my the favorite quote that I found from uh, public figures on this topic, which is Joan Rivers, the um, great comedian, who said, "I wish I had a twin so I could know what I'd look like without plastic surgery." So we'll be back in a minute on Equal Footing. Equal Footing with Dove Tusman is brought to you in part by Manhattan Medical. And Manhattan Medical has a very important message for men and their partners. What is more emotionally painful than erectile dysfunction? Well, that's being unable to have enjoyable sex. Everybody needs it. Bring it back into your life. Manhattan Medical utilizes a new, effective, gains wave therapy that can help you achieve excellent results. There are no expensive blue pills. It's non-invasive. It's surgery-free, and it's painless. With Manhattan Medical, there are no side effects, and for most patients, there are wonderful results. Check out Manhattan Medical's gains wave therapy. It can help you. I've talked about this on the show before, but this sponsor of Equal Footing came to me through a very close friend who's in his mid-80s, and he's had terrific results using Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy. It can help you whatever age you may be. Call now for a free consultation. It's confidential. It's easy. Call Manhattan Medical at 888-ED-CURE-9. That's 888-ED-CURE-9 or 888-332-332. 8739. That's 888-332-8739. Call now. And if you mention Equal Footing, you get a free consultation. You're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tusman here with our guests, Dr. Snehal Amin, who is a cosmetic surgeon and dermatologist, also an assistant professor uh, teaching dermatology at uh, Cornell, and Prerna Gupta, who is a serial successful entrepreneur running Hooked and was recently named one of the most influential women in technology. We've got, by the way, this, this topic is hitting a nerve. We have a number of text questions that have already come in. But Snehal, before the break, we, Dr. Amin, Snehal, we were talking about the idea of filters in the technology world, which of course is not actual 
cosmetic surgery. There's no procedure going on in your body, but it is a way of, of filtering and putting a veil up and changing yourself and uh, for the outside world's view. And Perna was talking about that as kind of a, an empowering thing, especially for young people, but an ability to choose your own way um, to appear in, in the world and kind of um, take the control over something that could otherwise cause tremendous anxiety and peer pressure. Do you feel that way across the board, Snehal, in the physical reality with your with your clients? Do you generally feel like your clients are feeling empowered and uh, doing something that's positive for their life? Or do you feel like uh, people are not appreciating themselves as they are and, um, and, and suffer from other issues around uh, self-perception that could be unhealthy? Well, I, I think you're certainly right that it can be unhealthy, but... Before we have that discussion, uh, I want to back up a moment and kind of lay down some definitions. And um, one of the first things I always notice when we have conversations about cosmetic surgery or, or any other sort of modification surgery or, or procedure, whether it's digital or uh, knife-based, uh, is really what, what are we referring to? And I think in the lay population, in the general media, most people see the worst cases because that's all we notice. For instance, if you saw, I would say, you know, if you saw any of my patients or any good doctor that I know, you wouldn't really notice that they had anything done, right? And so you wouldn't ever notice that they had cosmetic procedures. However, if you are on TV or Instagram or see someone in New York, you know, we've all seen the Catwoman walking down New York, uh, Fifth Avenue. So uh, I think what we're seeing there is a small selection of really the worst cases of cosmetic procedures. Um, so right, those that's get the a most purely attention. selection bias. Right, right. And, and so we deal with it in a different way than if we really know what the whole population is like. I want to I want to delve into this taboo issue because you're right that that you know there's there's lots of memes out there making fun of people that have had excessive plastic surgery and that's tremendous selection bias because of course those who have had kind of quote unquote successful <laughs> plastic surgery is probably less notable noticeable at least most people would probably want it to be uh, more natural looking. But this taboo subject is really interesting. You know, before we came back here, we had a sponsor did an ad about uh, therapy for erectile dysfunction. And that's an area that's still relatively taboo for people to talk about. In researching for this show, I was I came across a study from the University of North Carolina that was delving into the really psychology and sociology of plastic surgery. And one of the things that was fascinating to find is that people are three times men, and, and that's fair that it's that plastic surgery is probably less common with men, but I'd be curious about that statistic. But men are three times more likely uh, to be comfortable mentioning uh, to others that they have gotten treatment for erectile dysfunction than they are mentioning that they have any any form of cosmetic work done, even Botox. I found that fascinating. Another stat, both with men and women, almost twice as likely, both men and women are more comfortable sharing with a stranger. These are, sorry, I should have said that, with a, sharing with a stranger. Sharing with a stranger that they struggle with some form of addiction, meaning alcohol addiction, drug addiction, porn addiction, whatever it may be, gambling addiction, then they feel comfortable mentioning that they've had any kind of cosmetic surgical uh, intervention. So clearly there are some serious social taboos that still exist. This is a 2019 study. And yet a significant population, as many as 25% of the American population, has had some form of elective cosmetic treatment, including Botox. 
why? Why is this so taboo, Prerna? If if in the in the technology world it's now so widely accepted that we can change our appearance and put in filters and so forth, why is it so taboo in the physical world? That's shocking to me. That's fascinating. Uh, I think it's just a generational thing, to be perfectly honest. And you don't you see very different norms in other countries. For example, in places like Korea or Brazil or Argentina, it's much less much, much less taboo. It's even more widespread, and it's it's just the norm. Um, I, I I when I talk to some of my friends from other parts of the world, you know, they tell me that they start in their 30s, you know, in their early 30s, when they hit 30, that's like when you start getting um, Botox and, you know, you go to your dermatologist regularly and I wasn't doing it and they thought I was crazy. I'm 39 now. I still haven't done it. And they, they think I'm way behind the times. Um, so I, I think it's just... Well, like, you also look 25. <laughs> uh, well, it's because of the AR filters that I use. Right, on, that on might be her avatar. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's, you know, I, I think there's sort of this weird lost generation um, of, of, you know, people between their 30s and 60s or whatever in America where the technology, the cosmetic surgery technology kind of came of age, but um, we still felt that it was somehow unnatural or we were, you know, it, it's it's like we're um, whatever, like there's some strange weakness that we're not um, – we're, we don't feel good about how we look, and so we have to succumb to plastic surgery. That's going to change completely. Um, the younger generation, obviously teenagers, as I'd mentioned, you know, are very comfortable changing their appearance um, from minute to minute. Right. Uh, and, I, and I actually do think that I'm certain that the demand for plastic surgery will go up in that demographic as well, um, so even so though the they do have not, access to filters. The demand's not going to go away just because you can change the way you look in a picture or a video. I don't think so. You know, Perna, to your last point about how there is a generational difference, there was an article recently in the Indianapolis Star that predicted that in 2022, millennials on a per capita basis will be getting more Botox uh, uh, injections than baby boomers uh, as a preventative measure and as a cosmetic measure. So certainly there's, which is, Again, fascinating to me. Uh, so there's there are definitely different levels of acceptance in, in different generational um, cohorts. So I, I, you know, one of the things I like to do on on this show is to be as open and as vulnerable as possible. And I did not I did not tell either of you before in our pregame that I was going to mention this. Obviously, Doctor Amin, you're aware, but um, you probably uh, weren't kind of connecting the dots as part of. Uh, preparing for the show, I decided for the first time in my life to get a Botox ingest- uh, injection. I keep saying ingestion. Uh, what would happen if I ingested Botox? Would I die, snail? <laughs> um, so I went into your office, Dr. Amin, last week, which I'm sure from a HIPAA compliance perspective, you would have kept completely private on the show. And I, uh, you gave me a mild Botox injection in my forehead. And I was... Uh, it was it was an amazing experience for me. Uh, it was first of all, I got the taboo element. I definitely did not want to mention to anybody that I had it. I also didn't feel anything. You warned me that it was going to, uh, you know, that I was going to feel like I had a really stiff forehead or I wouldn't be able to raise my eyes or whatever. And I haven't I haven't felt anything. It fe- and I, I don't know if it looks different or not. I can't really tell. But my guess, my point is, it didn't seem like that big of a deal. And so, 
if these things, and I know there's a debate about is Botox really, you know, perce- a plastic surgery procedure or not, but if these things are ultimately not a big deal, as I felt as a as a patient of yours, and I'm sure you felt as if you feel as a practitioner, then it, shouldn't it be just as common as all the skincare lotions and potions that we use and uh, you know makeup that people put on and so forth? Why is this not even more prevalent? Why isn't everybody doing it on every street corner? Well, it's it's a matter of education and awareness. I think, uh, for example, Botox really only works on 30 to 50-year-olds. It's really not a great treatment for someone who has sagging skin and lots of wrinkles. It only works on sort of the younger end patients who have a lot of muscle movement, and so Botox relaxes muscles. And so that's one of the misconceptions about Botox, that it's for baby boomers. It's really not for baby boomers. It's for people age 25 to 55, and they do very well with Botox. Um, you know, if, if, if we're kind of coming clean about our cosmetics use, I guess I should participate in this too. I too oh, am I a Botox wait. patient, right? But I get Botox into my armpits for excessive sweating. Wow. And, you know, when I'm in surgery... It's really not good to sweat through the scrubs, and so uh, Botox has been a really great help for me, and that's considered cosmetic. And it goes back to my original point, really, what is cosmetic? And I'll give you an example of a patient. I have a 70-year-old patient who has really bad acne scars, and um, she really never did anything about it, but it's clearly bothered her, lots of makeup use. You know, this is for the last 50 years she's been doing this. Right. And we, I advised her that we have a laser that essentially gets rid of acne scars in three treatments or at least makes them 80% better. And we did this treatment. It was, no one noticed she was doing it because it's a fairly non-invasive treatment. And the thing she said to me was, I can't believe I didn't do this when I was 25. And mm-hmm. we didn't have the laser when she was 25. But um, my point is that really there's a lot of, benefits to cosmetic procedures that we don't really realize, and that's because of education and awareness. All we're seeing is the worst of the worst. We don't see all the normal cases. And men's dermatology, for instance, men's cosmetic surgery, male cosmetic surgery, is really getting to be more and more common, uh, but it's not common enough, in my opinion. And I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, every time I listen to Prerna talk, I, I learn something new or a new idea pops into my head, and it's just fascinating to uh, listen to her ideas. And one of the things I thought about when she was talking about uh, how our image is presented online, there really is a, an analogous syndrome for, digi- for the digital world. In, in dermatology, we have the body dysmorphia syndrome. In the digital world, I think there's something called the body divergence syndrome, which is someone who I know, I don't even recognize when I see them on Facebook or Instagram. They're a different person. And so I'd love to hear Brerna's thoughts on this sort of new syndrome that I just coined five seconds ago, uh, body divergence syndrome. I think it's really common, actually. Yeah, really interesting. Uh, maybe if it's okay, I'll combine that that uh, question that Dr. Amin just made with a comment that came in from a listener. It's it's, it's a, it kind of fits in a little bit. And this this listener uh, is in Austin, Texas. It's uh, Richard, and he says, "I went to an e gaming arena the other day, and I saw girls that looked as if they came out of the game in an extremely cartoonish way." 
they were playing a video of Korean avatars dancing and singing in a very perfect and sensual way, but in real life. The owner of the venue said that many boys and teens fall in love with the video avatars. It all seems crazy to make to me. To make it even more interesting is that these teens and young adults carry on with the look into main society. I actually saw a married couple with kids who looked as if they were coming down right out of the video screen. So the, the digital and the physical worlds, I, I wanted to kind of piggyback on, on Dr. Amin's point because the digital and physical worlds are, are merging, as you referred to before. Uh, and that's an example, I guess, that this, that this listener is describing of someone actually almost wanting to become their avatar in real life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they are, the digital and physical world are absolutely merging. It's obviously accelerated in the past year, but if you, it's accelerated, I think, for just people of our age. But if you look at how teenagers live, they, live completely full and complex and sophisticated lives virtually. Majority of their social interaction happens virtually. Their their digital identity is who they are. Mm. And it's, you know, the, the, their physical body and their physical appearance is really a small part of who they are. And I, I've been thinking about this more and more because I've, I've started to use AR filters more on Instagram and TikTok in the past few months. And kind of going back to this, um, the question about taboo, you know, it's actually even the use of AR filters is taboo in my generation. Uh, mm. Most of my friends still post relatively unfiltered photos of themselves. When I say unfiltered, you know, I'm talking about kind of original Instagram filters, which are really quite mild <laughs> compared right. to what's available now on TikTok and on Instagram's new feature, Reels. I, because I, I, you know, am exposed to teenagers in my work and, you know, that's kind of the world I live in, I'm a little bit more bold about using these filters and these filters are they're essentially like plastic surgery they'll make your lips fuller you know they'll they'll ch- they can change oh, yeah. the shape of your eyes obviously you know it's like you can look like a different person and i in the beginning i felt kind of shy doing it because it felt almost inappropriate or taboo you know to admit that you're changing your appearance it's obvious that that's not how i actually look but now that i'm starting to do it you just feel like you know what this is me and this is how I want to look and it's okay that when I look in the mirror it's not exactly what I see on my Instagram but I start to identify more strongly in a way with how I look through these filters. Yeah, we we take on different personas all the time in the way that we dress and the makeup that that people put on and the hat that we decide to wear, the wig that we might put on. I mean, there's lots lots of ways to present differently. You know, Perna, I was thinking now all three of us have broken those taboos so hopefully others will feel comfortable doing so that are listening the other day i was uh sitting at a a, a counter in uh in the, like a, a quick food healthy quick food place up in boston and there was a college student next to me and i could see that she was using an app to like incredibly modify like really drastically modify an image i just was like just it was had the, the phone out and right next to me and i was i was just fascinated by the fact it was like erasing somebody from the background and was 
changing almost everything about her body and i and i i just i didn't i had never seen that before how that was actually how the spaghetti was made and i just asked her she probably thought it was being creepy i said like what, what is that like what is that app that you're you're using and uh, i think it was called facetune or something and and she was actually very nice and was t- like basically said something similar to what you just said like you present you you just post a photo without editing it she asked me something along those lines and i thought yeah of course like i would be embarrassed to do that like someone would know that i you know my waist is bigger than i presented it or whatever but there was no self-consciousness in it so i i definitely hear where you're coming from we're going to take a break uh we'll be back with our guest prana gupta serial entrepreneur one of the most influential women in tech, as recently named by Fast Company Magazine, Dr. Snehal Amin, who's a renowned cosmetic surgeon. We're talking about fix-me culture, from plastic surgery to Instagram filters. To participate in this discussion, 718-303-9090. You can call in live on the air, or you can text a question at 917-428-4062. We'll be right back on Equal Footing. I just needed to play, have that play a little bit longer. It's rocking out to Lady Gaga here. Equal Footing with Dove Tusman is brought to you in part by DocuVax. Are you a small or medium-sized business owner who wants to provide a low-cost, effective health benefit for your employees? Maybe you're a school administrator who wants to ensure all of your students have the proper vaccines. Or maybe you're just a parent trying to keep your family's medical records up to date. Well, welcome to DocuVax. DocuVax is an easy-to-use easy digital locker. It's accessible on your laptop or your smartphone. The apps have just gotten out on, on iOS and Android. They're in test phase. I've been testing it myself. Very cool. DocuVax allows you to safely store and validate basic medical information, including immunization records, lab results, even x-rays or MRIs. Gone are those frustrating days of losing time tracking down your old medical records, sharing test results with a new healthcare provider. The DocuVax system covers over 60 different important elements of your medical profile, kind of basic health markers, from flu vaccine or COVID vaccine to colorectal or breast cancer screenings, even blood type and allergy stuff that you might forget or need to have on file. To sign up, go to DocuVax.com. That's D-O-C-U-V-A-X.com. You can also call 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. For as little as $6.99 per month, DocuVax subscribers can privately access all of their medical records. It's from a secure HIPAA-compliant digital storage facility. And as a DocuVax subscriber, medical professionals are on call for you 24 hours a day to validate your vaccine records, your blood tests, or anything else in your digital medical locker. So put an end to worrying. If you or someone else you care about is up to date on a particular vaccine, blood test, or an important preventative screening, Take control of your medical file. Your medical information does not belong to your doctor. It belongs to you. Have it all in one safe and secure place. HIPAA-compliant storage. QR code-based sharing system when you want to share the information. Sign up at DocuVax.com. I've been
All right, we're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tuzman, and with my guests, Prerna Gupta, serial entrepreneur, one of the most influential women in technology, is named by Fast Company, Dr. Snehalamine, cosmetic surgeon, dermatologist, uh, rated for 10 years one of the best doctors in his practicing area in New York. Okay, guys, we've got a bunch of questions that have that have come in over the last couple of segments. So I'm going to throw a couple of these out there talking about this fix-me culture, Instagram filters, Botox, plastic surgery, and uh, what it means. What is our? What does it mean to modify our appearance? What crosses a line? What's healthy? What's unhealthy? So, Doctor, I mean, I don't know where the line is on terms of medical advice, but I'll throw the question out there, and you can always uh, demur. We've got a we've got a bunch of these medical questions, and people are clearly interested in the in the topic very at a personal level. Um, so. Uh, one listener who wishes to remain nameless says, I have a niece who's looking to get breast reduction surgery. Is it recommended if she's planning on having more children in the future? So first of all, is breast reduction surgery in your experience, is that in your practice area, Dr. Amin? And whether it is or isn't, is that considered a cosmetic surgery or is that mostly a health issue? And again, to the listener's question, is it recommended if you're planning on having more children in the future? So... um Breast reduction surgery is certainly a cosmetic procedure, but it also qualifies as a medically necessary procedure in certain cases. Uh, I personally don't do breast reduction surgeries. I trained uh, to learn them, but I don't do them in my current practice. As I said, most of my practice is facial skin cancers and facial cosmetic surgeries. Um, that whether or not breast reduction surgery will affect pregnancy is a very patient-specific question. That is something you have to speak with your gynecologist and your plastic surgeon about individually. So that I would have to defer on that question. There's so many uh, sort of externalities in that question that might affect the answer. Um, so I have to, um, unfortunately, not answer that question. I would refer them to a practicing uh, plastic surgeon or uh, gynecologist. So, Dr. Amin, while we're on the topic of pectorals or breasts, I have a question that, uh, you know, I, I'm willing to push the line a little bit on the show, but, I'm, I, you know, we think about dermatologists as focused on, and cosmetic surgeons focused on, on the face, uh, other than, uh, you know, breast segmentation or breast reduction. Um, what about other kind of, how broad is the non- non-facial, non-breast work. So, and, and actually, let me, let me, let me, be able to, let me give you a couple of examples. Like, to what extent do you see, um, men or women coming in and saying, I want to, you know, reduce the size of my areoli or, uh, a people coming in and saying, oh, I, I'm very focused on, you know, the freckles on my leg or whatever. I mean, to what extent is this stuff that's like out of usual view or is really the vast majority of the practice within you know, kind of the stuff that people see when you have your clothes on and you're, you know, sitting at the office or on a Zoom call? No, I think that's another education and awareness issue in my mind. Uh, cosmetic procedures really all over the body. And uh, last week we just got a brand-new machine that stimulates muscle contraction. And can you guess where the number one spot where patients want that? Where patients want mus muscle contraction. Right. It's like doing a thousand sit-ups in one day, but you can put it anywhere on the body. I, I would imagine your abdomen. Well, abdomen is number one, and then the number two spot is the gluteal area. So a lot of people 
see that as a very cosmetically important area where we do tons of lasers. We do a lot of this muscle contraction procedures. Um, I, for instance, had laser hair removal on my toes. So uh, cosmetics is really <laughs> you are breaking all about yeah. perception. You know, I'm definitely breaking taboos with that one. Well, uh, Perna, I wish you could see. Unfortunately, on the radio, I can't. I can't share images, <laughs> but uh, I've gotten several images from listeners with with their like avatars and filters, and they're, they're really great. Um, so, Perna, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a question out at you um, from Mindy in New York. Why does it feel like it's taboo to talk about these things on the East Coast, like New York City, versus the West Coast, like L.A.? Seems like a new money thing on the West Coast. As a amateur cultural <laughs> I anthropologist, it, I think there's some truth to that. What's what's your view, Perna? <laughs> um, First of all, where well, are you calling? Where are you calling in from for the for the audience? I live in California. And 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 in- and Snehal, you're in uh, Boston at the moment. Uh, no, I'm in I'm in New York. Okay, there you go. So it's perfect. Perfect question. <laughs> um, well, I I think. I don't know. Maybe people in California are just more modern and more with it. <laughs> no, I, I think, um, you know, it, it just so much of this just comes down to culture. And that's what I was really going to say around the, the whole thing around why are these things taboo? It's just, you know, we grew up, you know, it, those of us who grew up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s grew up in a culture where you don't change your appearance in that way. It is taboo, and, and that's what it is. But, you know, I, I guess... On the West Coast, I'm in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, so I'm more, you know, I mean, not surprisingly, obviously, I'm a tech entrepreneur, and so my, you know, my, I'm in a community of people that live, you know, we were already virtual. Like, when COVID happened and the lockdowns happened, you know, obviously, it's been a difficult year, but my life, my day-to-day life really has not changed very much. I just was already getting everything delivered. I was working remotely. I was existing virtually. And so when it comes to thinking about living in a digital reality, we're doing that already. And so it just it's just more natural to us. Obviously, in L.A. and plastic surgery, you know, to Kate Winslet's point, that's just been part of the culture in Hollywood forever as well. So um, maybe there's just something in the air that makes people on the West Coast um, more into new stuff, but I, it, it, there is just a little bit more of a culture around experimentation. And yeah, it's probably better weather and less heavy coats. <laughs> right. More more, more stuff in, in common view. So we're going to take one more break <laughs> on the show, and we're going to come back with our great guests, Dr. Snehalamine and Prerna Gupta. We're talking about Fix Me Culture, from plastic surgery to Instagram filters, and we have one listener we'll get to right after the break who says that we should have called the show Fix You Culture, and I'll explain why when we come back. Yeah, I know, I know, when I compliment her, she won't believe me, and it's so, it's so sad to think that she don't see what I see, but every time she asks me, do I look okay, I say... Equal Footing with Dove Tusman is brought to you in part by Mechanical Art Capital. You've heard about it before. Mechanical Art Capital is growing. It offers financing to watch collectors and watch dealers from anywhere in the world. It's super safe. It's super easy. It's super quick. You get your cash in one to two days. 
unlock the cash value of your watch collection or if you're a dealer through your watch inventory. Use Mechanical Art Capital's guaranteed buyback contracts, financing up to 12 months. For more information, you can go to mechanicalartcapital.com or you can call 833-209-0972. That's 833-209-0972. Operators are standing by and we're going to transition here from one sponsor to the other. We are also sponsored by the Varensov Law Firm. It's a trusted law firm that provides top-notch personalized representation at reasonable prices. Lead attorney Dennis Varensov works tirelessly to get results for his clients. I want to put in a personal plug for Dennis because I have actually used him and referred him uh, to a couple of folks, and he does terrific work, really personalized, watches your pocketbook as well, doesn't overcharge. The Varnsov Law Firm provides many types of business and personal legal services, real estate closings, preparations of wills, trusts and estates, Medicaid planning, and much, much more. If you're searching for the right attorney for your personal legal needs and need a consult, give Varnsov Law Firm a call. And if you mention the Equal Footing Show that you heard this ad, you will receive a free initial consultation that has real value. The Varnsov Law Firm is located on Avenue on 15th Street and Avenue P in Brooklyn, New York. You can also call and do a virtual appointment by calling 212-295-5838. That's 295-212-295-5838. You can also visit them online at vlf.law. And the Vornsov Law Firm is licensed in both the New York and New Jersey area. Don't forget to mention Equal Footing to get your free consultation. I've been called. Oh, this is this is this is too much fun to stop. We only have ten minutes left. I'm on equal footing. I'm Dove Tuzman. I'm here with Prerna Gupta, serial entrepreneur, CEO of Hooked Mobile App Tech Company. Dr. Snail Amin, who's a renowned cosmetic surgeon and dermatologist, dermatologist in the New York area. And I'm sorry for those of you called in that we haven't had time to to uh, to address. We've got a lot of questions here and a, and a fun, fun, fast-moving conversation. So I, I said before the break that I would mention that one listener said that we should have called this show Fix You Culture, not Fix Me Culture. And he says that that's because contemporary America pressures people to look always better and younger. This is a listener who prefers to remain anonymous in this case who has used Botox. Um, He is in his late 50s and uh, he feels that every decision he's made about changing the way he looks using surgery or dermatology has actually been motivated by how he perceives others need him to look kind of deferring to others' need, especially in the corporate uh, America environment where you're so pressured to look younger uh, as opposed to something that he wanted to do himself. Snail, in your client base, and of course you're not violating any confidentiality, you're not speaking about any client in particular, how much of that do you see? How many people like this listener do you see who feel pressured in a sense uh, to make a decision about cosmetic surgery? Yeah, our, our office, our one, one, our flagship office is in Midtown Manhattan, and I have to say, most of the men that I see as patients are high up executives who need to look good on the podium, on Zoom, in person with clients. Um, you know, it's really the reason I don't think of it as a big deal is it's just an extension of, you know, you wear a nice Italian suit, you manicure your fingernails, you you know, brush your teeth and 
shave your face, well, you want to get rid of your wrinkles. There are things that aesthetically are pleasing to humans, and there are things that are not aesthetically pleasing. And um, asymmetry on the face, wrinkles on the face, those are and spots that are only on one side of the face, those are aesthetically non-pleasing things to everyone. And I, I don't think it's a fault of society. It's just how humans are built. You know, we like how the uh, other people look in certain ways and appeals to us and attracts us to those people. And so the executives that I see in Midtown Manhattan understand that, and they say, well, I want to get rid of this brown spot that's on my face, or I want to have, uh, you know, higher cheekbones because it, it looks like my face is flat, you know, th- things like that. So um, I, I think it's very common, and I think it's uh, the more we normalize this, the more we can talk about it and really understand it for what it is, not for the extreme cases of what mm-hmm. it isn't. Yeah, I think there's a, a general uh, kind of hackneyed sense out there that it's always obvious. And as I mentioned earlier, that you've had plastic surgery or had something done. And as I mentioned earlier on the show, I disclosed that in preparation for this show, I did my first Botox injection in my in my forehead, which you helped me with, Dr. Amin. And I don't think anybody noticed. I didn't even notice. I mean, I'm not saying it didn't do anything. I'm just saying, like, it was so modest that I didn't, I, there, was no, there was no comment from, from, from anybody, even people that I, you know, see frequently before and after the, after the fact. And so I think that, um, maybe it isn't, isn't true that this stuff is, is, uh, so, so obvious. In, in researching for the show as well, I, I, I came across a number of different, uh, you know, quotes and, 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 uh, and, you know, on this, on this point, how there's a general sense that uh, people look funny looking, that you can tell if you've had Botox, you can tell if you've had all sorts of, uh, plastic surgery and that you, and that people look strange. Uh, but I think that that's probably an issue of, of, of prejudice or, or advances in the technology. And it's, it's, it, I would imagine, uh, you know what? I'm just giving you my point of view. Dr. Amin, just straight on, do you think you're, in your practice, do, can people notice the work that you're doing on your on your patients? Well, it depends on what it is we're doing. So, if a you know a 75 year old man with hundreds of brown spots on their face comes to me for a laser to get rid of brown spots, everyone's going to notice that his face looks really clear afterwards. But they're not going to really know exactly what he did. Um, it, it's really it has to do with what we see on TV, or you know, in in some ways, what doctors themselves are doing sometimes the doctor doesn't have good judgment about when they should stop uh with a patient and so they you know or they give the patient uh breasts that are just way too large for their body size or uh you know it could be a error that was done during a surgical procedure on the nose that doesn't look good and that 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 gives you know People false impressions, and it sounds like that's not just an issue of medical competency; it's an issue of medical ethics. Whether you're, you know, because I imagine you're frequently asked for advice: should I do this? Should I do it this size, etc. Yeah, I, I think it's it's really up to the doctor to limit sometimes, but it's also patients. Patients do drive this process. People really want, like they see, uh, you know, uh, again the Kardashians. They see Khloe Kardashian with uh, really what I think are gigantic lips, and I've had teenagers come to my office saying, I want to look like Khloe Kardashian. Well, 
Whose fault is that? Is that Khloe Kardashian's fault? Is that the parents' fault for letting the teenager be on their phone all night? Is it the teenager's fault? Mm. You know, it's, it's a Colonel, complex let, thing. Yeah, it's a great point. Let's segue back to you on this point because you mentioned that earlier in terms of the kind of cultural pressures and also the empowering dynamics of, of filters and avatars. There's a, a listener, I actually don't know if it's a man or a woman, not sure it matters, named Chef, who has, uh, who's actually mentions Kim Kardashian in, in their note. And I'm, I'm going to edit for, for brevity, but makes the point that what is really the difference between getting a surgical procedure that makes you look different, that later in life you may regret, and having an avatar or an image that's doctored online that also later in life you may regret. And uh, I feel like we should have like Morpheus from The Matrix here asking, <laughs> commenting on what ident- <laughs> what identity really is. Is it physical or is it digital? Kind of the, the point you brought up before. But, you know, I was commenting the other day to, to a friend, Perno, that it's like... You know, the current generation, everything they do is documented by social media. So you can't have these you know, huge mistakes that you made in high school that are just subject to people's you know, hazy memory. They're documented forever. The same would be true about filters. And, you know, in fact, one could say they out they out they outlast the physical body. I mean, dust to dust. Right. We, we go away as a physical body. Those images are out there potentially forever. So is there an ethical difference, I guess, between being pressured into a surgical pr- procedure, maybe being pressured into a filter or a doctored image? I think there's a huge difference, and it, it's simply, you know, there are two parts to it. One is just the the physical permanence versus digital permanence is a completely different thing. You're changing your body, uh, and you can never go back. You can never go fully back. I mean, the Joan Rivers quote was an amazing quote. You know, once you've gone in that direction, it's changed forever. And even if you regret it, you want to try and change it back, it's not going to be the old you. Um, but with digital, uh, you know, first of all, you can delete it. Second of all, the new generation, because they are posting constantly, it's just, it, it, it's a really different culture and it's a really different feeling. There's so so much data out there all the time. No one remembers what you posted um, even 24 hours ago. Forget about, you know, years ago when you were, you know, whatever, you, you know, whatever. If, if you're 20 now when you were in high school, no one's going to be able to dig up that photo or right, care. You can always delete um, there's it. Just, yeah. You can always delete it, but also they just live a much more transparent life. Yeah. And um, so there isn't, it doesn't matter if you did a filter and you don't, you don't like how you look anymore. That was a long time ago. You look different now. Your filters are different. Um, so to me, there's a massive difference and I, and I just personally think that digital transformation is better. Yeah, I gotta say that Joan Rivers, a quote again that you referred to in case the folks didn't hear it because she said, uh, before she died, I wish I had had a twin so I could have known what I'd look like without plastic surgery. Uh, so it's 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 an interesting point. Okay, we've only got a couple minutes left. Thirty seconds. We do this at the end of the show sometimes. Dr. Amin, I would like you to take an advocacy position for thirty seconds as to why people should not get elective cosmetic work done. Well, that's a tough one for me. I mean, I live cosmetic elective procedures, but uh, the main reason people should not get cosmetic procedures is if it doesn't bother them, then they should do nothing about it. But if they wake up every morning looking at a mole in their face and they're like, God, and this mole really detracts from how I look and everyone looks at the mole instead of looking at my eyes, well, then you should do something about it. So to me, personally, if it bothers you, do something about it. If it doesn't bother you, don't do something about it. If your doctor says 
it's benign. Don't do something about it. Perna, um, we, that's my personal that's, philosophy. That's great advice. Perna, we literally got 30 seconds. Why should people use avatars and filters at, our, at any age? Because, because you can be the fantasy version of yourself uh, with no cost. Uh, you can be exactly who you want, who you feel like being today, and you can be someone different tomorrow. And this, on the next day, you can be who you are naturally. It's uh, it's not permanent. It's uh, and it's fully in your control. Beautiful, Perna Gupta, Snailamine. Thank you so much for being on Equal Footing. Uh, this was a fun discussion, and I uh, will be with everyone again next week. Happy Easter to those celebrating. Happy Passover to those celebrating. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Before she goes, unnoticed she knows, no limits she craves, attention she prays.